Okay, hello everyone and welcome to ACTUS Radio, the nation's only radio program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. ACTUS Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and ACTUS. Today, Wednesday, December 19th, marks our 112th program. Wanted to wish everyone a happy holidays and hope, hopefully you have some time off next week or at least the 25th. Uh, so my name is Brian Murphy, Director of ACTUS, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, How to Conduct a Medical Record Review. I'm joined today by my co-host at left. You may recognize Alan Frady. Alan is a CDI education specialist for us here at ACTUS. Alan teaches clinical documentation improvement boot camps and serves as a subject matter expert. By way of background, he's an accomplished consultant with a background in coding and documentation. His experience includes 12 years as a coding consultant, two years as a coding director, and six years as a CDI consultant. And I'm glad to have him back on the show. So welcome to the program, Alan. Thanks, Brian. All right. Well, thanks, Alan. Okay. Well, and I just realized my screen was not being shown there. So there you go. <laughs> Minor glitch, but hey, that's what that's what doing a live program is all about. All right. Next, I'd like to introduce our industry guest today. So you can see over on your right of your screen, we have uh, Katie Good. Katie is a training materials specialist for Enjoin CDI. Katie's responsible for the overall development and oversight of both internal and client training materials, focusing on documentation improvement across the continuum of care. She works side-by-side -side with Enjoin's physician team to develop clinical coding and documentation materials based on the principles of high-quality documentation, evidence-based medicine, and the most up-to-date clinical best practice guidelines. So by way of background, Katie's a registered nurse with a clinical background in the ICU and ED. You may recognize her from her many ACTUS contributions. She's a regular conference speaker, contributor to our publications. She's a recipient of our 2014 ACTUS CDI Professional Achievement Award. And is also a member of our ACTUS Advisory Board, and I'm glad to have her on the show. So welcome, Katie. Thank you, Brian. All right. And also with Katie, we have with us Jeff Morris. Jeff is the supervisor of CDI at the University of South Alabama Health System and Mobile. He has more than 20 years of nursing experience in adult critical care, med surge, telemetry, and emergency departments. And currently, he leads the CDI program at USA Children and Women's Hospital and USA Medical Center, where he was originally hired as its first CDI professional. Like Katie, uh, Jeff is very involved in ACTUS. He's a co-leader of the Alabama ACTUS chapter. You may have seen him presenting at our 2017 ACTUS conference in Vegas. He was on our 2018 conference planning committee, um, contributor to our recent book, Pediatric CDI, Building Blocks for Success. And like Katie, also serves on our advisory board. So welcome to the program, Jeff. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. All right, as I always do, I'm going to start with a poll topic related to today's uh, show. Should be seeing that on your screen. There we go. All right, so the question reads, 
how long after admission do you typically begin your record reviews? Is it as soon as possible when, as soon as in, that first information is available, maybe through the ED, uh, in the first 24 hours, between 24 and 48 hours, waiting for a little more of that documentation to come through, uh, other, something not listed here, or not applicable. Again, how long after admission do you typically begin your record reviews? Is it as soon as possible, first 24 hours, between 24 and 48 hours, other or not applicable? All right, I'm showing about 75, 80% of our audience has voted, so we're gonna go ahead and close this out, and then we will, as we always do, come back to this uh, at the end of our, after our interview with uh, Jeff and Katie. All right, so as I mentioned, our guests today are Katie Good, Jeff Morris. Katie, Je Katie and Jeff, welcome to the program. Thanks for being a part of uh, Actus Radio, your first time on the show, hopefully not, hopefully not last. Um, I'll start by saying that Katie and Jeff were two key writers on our recent ACTUS Advisory Board white paper, How to Conduct a Medical Record Review, which is the subject of today's show. So it's not only about the process in general, but we'll be referring to this white paper available for ACTUS members uh, during the show, and I'll be pulling that up. So, you know, Katie, maybe I'll start with you because um, you guys were both key contributors to the paper, and you really, Katie, started off the paper by writing the section um, which was aligning record reviews to organizational goals. Let's see if I can get that up here for our um, listeners. So, can you talk a little bit about this concept? I think some folks might think that, you know, um, a record review is a record review regardless of where you work or what organization you work in or what hospital type you work in. But you, you did a good job, I thought, explaining sort of how it can differ based on what your organization is expecting out of your CDI department. Right. Yeah, I feel like this is something we're, we've been talking a lot about as a board, and, and I wrote a article in the journal recently about this topic as well. I, I feel like it's a common theme for me personally, and I think just in the industry as well. And I think part of that is because a lot of programs are feeling a lot of pressure to kind of expand traditional CDI into various roles or to tighten up current practices. And they're hearing what other facilities are doing and thinking, oh, that facility is performing reviews X way, or they're reviewing for PSIs, or they're reviewing denials, and, and just immediately thinking, well, that, that means we should do it. And that I think it's really important that everyone think critically, whether we're talking about a standard medical review or we're talking about adding processes to our standard medical reviews or becoming involved in other initiatives in the hospital, that we think about how does this align with the organizational goals that, that are being established from a leadership standpoint. Because we want to make sure that CDI initiatives are matching those goals. It's going to kind of increased value of a CDI program to the organization if we make sure that we're, we're aligning with those other goals in the hospital. You don't certainly don't want to start an initiative, put a lot of energy into something, and then later find out that that wasn't the focus that the hospital was hoping that everyone was working on. So it's really just bringing it back to that higher level 
and, and that can have some challenges because CDI may not always be involved in those discussions. So that's why it's important for CDI to recognize it so that they can involve themselves or ask a, appropriate questions up the chain to leadership to make sure that they are informed of what the goals and priorities are for the facility. Right. It seems like such an elementary question, but have you, in your experience, Katie, folks aren't always asking this. They're, they're not, maybe they're, they're just starting because they hear that someone else has, is doing their, right. has their program focused this way, but they haven't actually talked. And, who, and who, who would that typically be that you might have that conversation with? Well, I mean, I think ultimately we're talking about goals that would be at the top of the organization. So C-suite, those should certainly be translated down to the director's level and down. But those conversations just don't always happen. You know, it's just very common, I feel like, that you can speak to on a leadership level to your CEO, your CFO, and people like that. And they have a different idea of what the focuses and challenges are and opportunities are for the hospital that CDI might not be aware of. And really, we're losing opportunity there because often those are goals we can help with. But we have to know that those goals exist, where the focus is, and then it's on CDI to kind of figure out, okay, how do we align with that? What, how can we help, you know, patient safety as a focus, how do we align with that? If, you know, um, you're really focused on some CMS me methodology, how can we focus on that? Because mm -hmm. without that, you could be, be heading off track in a different direction. So all, all these initiatives are great. I think... There's so many amazing CDI programs that are functioning in very different ways and that are involved in all kinds of different things in the organization. And that's, and that's great. But just because one organization is doing it one way doesn't necessarily mean that that's where you should lie. Right. So, exactly. Do you find that this is a... Go ahead, Alan. All right. Uh, do you find that this is a common problem where there's uh, everybody's in silos and the C-suite's not communicating with the CDI and the focus and the mission statement is unclear? So things that are being worked, worked on are not necessarily corporate or facility level goals. And uh, you know, if so, where do you where do you start? Where do you start getting that figured out? And how does that apply to getting back to those record reviews? Right. I I, I think that it is something that's missing and looking at a mission statement or something like that, which I think everyone in an organization typically has access to, is not really going to provide the granularity that you would need. It, it, it really is. I think it depends on the structure of a CDI program. You know, some CDI programs are housed within a um, department. You know, CDI might not have their own department. They might not have their own director. They might be reporting to quality or HIM or care coordination or UR. So sometimes even your own leadership within a CDI team is may not have enough knowledge about CDI to, to bring that information back and forth. So I feel like that is something that almost CDI leadership, wherever that stands, whether that's a manager or a supervisor or a director, has to kind of insert themselves in that conversation and bring those conversations up themselves rather than waiting for someone to come to them because sometimes that information is just not going to be translated effectively. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Alan, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, actually getting well, the review I, I itself have one more. and how that's done? Well, 
One more question, I guess, as a follow-up to that. Do you have any advice sure. on uh, how to get started or shortcuts or the best ways, maybe for a new CDI, to start learning how to uh, get those initial record reviews started? Um, it, it, it can be where do you get in the chart or what are you looking for when you begin, you know, those types of tips. I I don't love the term shortcut I <laughs> just because I feel like we have the actually have the opposite issue in the industry a lot but I think starting out the best thing to do is to create a very um, create a methodology to your chart reviews that's consistent to make sure that you're approaching every record the same way that's really how you eliminate errors and I think in the in the paper I think it was Deanne that shared kind of a workflow sample, which I think is, is really helpful. I actually, when I have trained CDIs, it's fairly similar to what I have done in the past of literally creating like a checklist, which feels kind of rudimentary and can feel a little bit silly, I think, as you start the review process, but I think it's essential that you start from whatever your beginning is. Some people like to start with the ED records. Some people like to start with an HMP and then go back. However, however you prefer to do it, but do it that way consistently and create that kind of checklist so that you're not missing things. Because what I think we see in the industry as a whole a lot is that as CDIs get more and more comfortable in their work, they start to skip over pieces because there are areas that they don't often see opportunity, like maybe an anesthesia record or something like that. And so they start skipping over those. And, and when you do that, you're just running the risk of then when, you know, there was potentially an opportunity in that anesthesia record or something like that, you're not going to look at it consistently, consistently. And you may not, you may miss one that you truly did have an opportunity. So really making sure that you take kind of a workflow process, um, map it out, make sure you understand exactly how that order event should be and what things you should be looking for in each of those in each of those steps and then do it methodically and then you know over time you develop you don't need to refer back to that workflow process or checklist or however you want to do it but i think especially in the initial phase of training that's how you establish a process that works for you mm -hmm. yeah katie i've been showing a um that element, that bit from the paper where Deanne Wilk um, created sort of the flow chart, but the paper really does walk through each of those areas you referred to, you know, started with the emergency department. I'm showing here some of the things you might expect to see and some of the questions and thought processes that the CDI professionals should be asking themselves, you know, um, relevant past medical history, uh, changes in the ED record, what's new or different, um, what conditions are not mentioned or are no longer supported, what's, what was the chief complaint, and how does it compare or contrast to the ED diagnosis. A lot of really good tips here. Um, and this is kind of the heart of the paper in terms of we, we wanted to present the, the advisory board was sort of a step-by-step -step process and I like what you described there, Katie, making sure you stay consistent. It doesn't have to be exactly what we're showing you here, but it should you should have your own process in place and follow it. Um, 
and we get into OR and bedside procedures. Jeff, is there anything that you do as a, during when you start a record review that you typically start with any area or anything you're looking for right out of the gate? Um, typically, I go from door to door. So I usually start at the point of entry, whether that be the emergency room, an outpatient department, um, or a direct admission. You know, with that, I would start with an H and P. But I, that's just the way I like to see the story played out. Is basically from door to door. Um, that's kind of how my mind thinks um, to see how things like evolve over time. Yep. And we've got information here on what you might see in the diagnostics and medications list, um, abnormal trends to look for. It's a it's a pretty detailed uh, review here of how to review the, the record and going into progress notes, consults, nursing documentation. We're obviously not going to be able to get through all of this today, but this is available on the ACTUS website for ACTUS members. Would recommend checking it out. Um, Jeff, maybe we'll stick with you for a minute, just on initial versus subsequent reviews. I believe this was a section that you did the principal writing on for the paper. Um, and we also asked a poll at the outset of the show on the timing of, of new reviews. Um, so I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts on how often you re-review re records and how these might differ from the initial review when you're going through the whole thing. You're going back and looking at certain areas and the timing, maybe you can shed a little light on, on your process of re-review. Um, typically, my process um, is, you know, about every 48 hours, try to touch that chart, um, just going back and looking over the previous notes. Um, that doesn't mean that a record doesn't need to be possibly reviewed every day if you have certain goals for your program or if you have pending queries. Um, I like to leave a lot of that um, to my staff, give them some autonomy because we've hired these skilled professionals that have critical thinking skills and, um, and let them use their prioritization. But me, myself, I usually do about every 48 hours um, unless possibly it's a high priority. Uh, the principal diagnosis isn't really set in stone um patient was you know sub admitted with symptoms and I, I really need a um a more concrete principal diagnosis um right things like that yeah i think you called that out here jeff you had uh records in which the principal diagnosis of symptoms should be reviewed daily um as should records that might have a pending query that hasn't been answered so some really good tips like that and you talked about some other ways to prioritize subsequent reviews. All right, and as far as uh, you know, the reviews differing some. Your your focus sometimes shifts, um, especially if your principal is set. Um, and you're just looking for those little nuggets. You're looking for areas that you can help um, get more clarification. Help you know, so on the back end, the coder doesn't have to ask that question. Um, basically picking up where you left off. Uh, that's a hard thing to learn. A lot of people want to go back and, and start over, but really, you know, if, if you've gotten what you need to out of that ED record, H&P, and maybe the first progress note, then unless you leave yourself a note that you need to go back to it, 
you need a clear starting point um, for your next review. That just speeds the process up, makes you more efficient, right? Et cetera. And some good information here too. You mentioned on uh, when the when the HIM coding professional might pick it up, but sort of ownership of subsequent reviews and who might do things like a retrospective query if it's needed and sort of the pros and cons of having the CDI follow that uh, as opposed to having an HIM coding professional uh, pick up. There's pros and cons. Um, so the paper does that. Go walk through both of those options there. All right. All right. Um, Alice, so I want to talk about, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I, very quickly, um, when training new CDS or even dealing with experienced CDS, sometimes they fall into certain traps and their notes are just a mess. So one of the things that I see happening or I used to see when I trained new CDI is that they were trying to recreate the record in their CDI notes. And the, the second error that I would see is that there wouldn't be any sort of logical flow or documentation of their thought process if you were looking at their notes, you didn't know what they were thinking, you didn't know what they were going to ask, you didn't know what they were going to follow up. And Jeff kind of already mentioned this uh, in terms of getting that note clear and concise and organized and have a clear view of what it is they were looking at and what it is we need to check for on the next review. Can you discuss your thoughts you know, on that and, and maybe what you recommend CDI specialists should keep uh, track of, you know, at least at a minimum? Right. I, th I think it's very important that you document your thought process because that record is going to someone else at some point um, in the continuum, whether it be another CDI, um, a coding professional, a coding manager, CDI manager for a second level review. So just regurgitating the, the HPI um, from the H&P is not good enough. I mean, it lets you know what, what they're there for, but you as the owner should already know that, and anyone that picks up behind you probably will know that basic information. Um, I like to just to document possibly things, uh, maybe where I picked up a diagnosis or what's questionable. Um, you know, ba barely meeting criteria. I'm watching. I'm watching labs. I'm watching mental status. Um, what I want to follow up the next time. Um, you know, and just our missing the operative note, operative notes not on chart, things like that will help the coder know where your brain was um, and also help you know, um, especially sometimes we move out our long stays just weekly. We're just basically at, at, at a weekly point. We're doing a um, quality review, if you will. We're looking for um, basically hacks and PSIs and things like that at that point. When somebody's been here three months, we still keep the record, but we move it out to a week or so review. We're not scouring every note, every lab, or anything like that, but we're just looking for any changes that might have occurred since the last review, and that's where that thought process, in my opinion, really helps. You know where you were the last time, you know, and then you can move forward quickly just to see um, what's changed. Right. And I'm showing now what, what we recommend the CDI specialist should document during his or her uh, workflow and, and review. So things like, you know, the working MSDRG, principal diagnosis, including where it was found in the record, 
other reportable diagnoses noted, you know, um, and where and by whom, what, what doctor uh, queries, data the query, areas of concern or needed follow-up, explanations and comments for the coding staff, that, that record of communication you were just talking about, uh, Jeff, as well as plans for re-review prior to discharge. You know, maybe there's a surgery schedule, you need to re-review the next day, et cetera. So a lot of good information here on this paper. We don't, we're, we're short of time here to go through the rest of it, but I did want to commend uh, Jeff and Katie for being two of the principal authors on this paper. Um, I'm going to just point out here at the, at the, at the end where to access it if you're an ACTUS member. So you want to go to our resources library right here. Scroll down to white papers and you will find it right here at the top, how to conduct a medical record review that is available for ACTUS members to uh, check out and read. And I do recommend you, you take a look at that paper. Um, great job today, guys, explaining that. All right, at this point, I do want to go to our poll question. I'm going to go ahead and reopen that. Again, we did ask our uh, attendees, how long after admission do you typically begin record review? So here's our results. Uh, most 52% review between 24 and 48 hours of admission. Next highest bucket is the first 24 hours, 27%. 11% begin reviewing it as soon as possible whenever information becomes available. 5% say other, so presumably maybe uh, later, or maybe they review only retrospective, for example. Uh, and 4% not applicable. As I always say, not everyone is in the in the doing record review as part of their job who's a listener of Actus Radio. So, any any comments, Katie? Any thoughts on this? With the majority coming in at 24:48, is that expected or? Yeah, I, I think it's what we would expect. I think my key point when we're thinking about when a review should be initiated is just to remember that not to not to start the review process until you have sufficient information that would make you feel comfortable placing a query. So I've seen organizations that will try to look at every record in the first 24 hours, and, and especially if you're following that metric, like some facilities are following a time to initial review metric or something like that. So there might be kind of some pressure to jump on a chart early, but then in the process of the CDI reviewing that record, they will acknowledge that even if they did potentially see something like maybe a clarification of could be needed for CHF or respiratory failure or something like that, they wouldn't query at that point in the process because truly the physician hasn't had enough time. Like maybe maybe we don't even have an HMP, maybe we have ED note or we have an HMP but no progress note. And CDIs vary in their comfort level as far as when they think it's appropriate to ask the provider a question as opposed to waiting to give them appropriate time to, hand, to add that information when they know it. And so just important to realize that there, there truly is not much value in reviewing a record until you have the information that you feel comfortable with or your program has determined to be the appropriate amount of information to pose a query. Otherwise, you're kind of just doing an extra review, but you're going to end up having to go back and kind of re-review that information, um, you know, maybe the next day before you would actually feel comfortable querying. So just something to right. think about. Yep. 
Any other comments on this, Jeff or Alan, before we move on? This is Jeff. I think the the results are right in line where I figured they would fall. And definitely, Katie and I have discussed in the past that um, the review needs to be meaningful. I know people are trying to meet metrics, but if you have to review it the next day uh, to get missing information just because you took credit the day before, you know, how meaningful was your time spent? Right. Good point, Jeff. All right. Well, we've only got a couple minutes left here, and I did want to share a couple quick final items. Um, we'll move to our In the News segment here. In the News, this is a regular segment featuring latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession. What I'm showing you here is a story reported first that I saw by Healthcare Dive, um, Florida, California lead leapfrogs top hospitals list. So basically, this is, I think most folks on the line, maybe not all, are familiar with the Leapfrog group. This is a, um, a group that has, um, uh, you know, a, a survey where hospitals can participate, and it's related to public their public profiles, and it's a it's a grading system basically, um, and it looks at the top hospitals in the nation based on their formula. So we have. Um, According to the LeapFrog group and their list, we have Florida leading the way with 18 awardees, um, which bumped last year's list leader, California, into second place with 17 top hospitals. So you can see some of the stronger states here and who these hospitals are. Um, this link takes you to this particular article here, which actually shows you the top hospitals by hospital type. According to LeapFrog, you can go ahead and check those out You know, by state. We have California, Florida. Uh, etc. And we have children's, rural hospitals, teaching hospitals, um, and as well as a historical list of these hospitals that have won, um, come up on top of LeapFrog scoring system. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot that goes into the LeapFrog formula. It's uh, a survey that compares hospitals' performance on things like patient safety, quality, efficiency, and management structures that reduce errors. Uh, to earn the award, hospitals are rated on features such as preventing infections, reducing C-sections, use of technology to provide safer care. Um, you know, the top hospital methodology includes scoring. You have to score an A in LeapFrog's latest safety grades and meet the group standards for computerized physician order entry, ICU physician staffing, and uh, meet its uh, get an A on its policy on, on never events. Um, so if you are a member of LeapFrog and you maybe you haven't seen these reports, this is a new story. These are out. You can check them out here. It actually gets into uh, the methodology, how the ratings are used. Worth checking out. I know CDI can impact some of these metrics. Some of these are, are really out of the reach of CDI and more related to quality and quality of care. But certainly documentation of some of these measures can help with the hospital's LeapFrog score. Um, and CDI may be able to make an impact in some ways. So I thought I would share that with you and recommend checking it out. As always, I will provide a link to that in our uh, show notes. But any any quick commentary on that at all, Katie or, or Jeff? Um, I think just in general, when we're thinking about publicly reported data, just to know that hospitals are looking at it and that it's important that CDI staff understand what methodology their organization is interested in following, utilizing for benchmarking, however they might be utilizing some of the various 
publicly reported data um, so that they can then better understand that methodology, learn about it, see where CDI can maybe be leveraged to once again kind of meet those organizational goals that the, that the facility may be focusing on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, well, I'm gonna just wrap up here with a very quick uh, Actus update. Actus update is a regular feature bringing you the newest, uh, latest news and information on what's going on inside of Actus. So I did wanna point out uh, to our members that um, the, so right now our 2019 conference agenda is available and we have that listed on the Actus website. Um, and, and right now at this time, we are uh, we are accepting applications for our poster session. So I'm gonna, I've been showing you here how to navigate here. If you go to our main page, actus.org, uh, click on this uh, slider bar up top, there is a link here to a, submit a proposal for our um, poster presentations. So we're accepting those through January 4th. I will issue a reminder on this, this is sort of the, the, the form it leads you it leads you to and you can um, create a create press basically press join now to create your uh, first submission to submit a poster uh, poster presentations are a great way to get involved if you're not a speaker at the conference you know they're they're it's I call it a conference within a conference it's a we usually have between 40 and 50 poster presenters we do provide poster presenters with $200 off admission to the to the conference so May want to check that out where if that's open through January 4th, we are going to send out a few more notifications about that. Um, but go ahead and check out the full agenda for the for our 2019 program and I hope you can join as an attendee or maybe would consider a poster or presentation. All right, well that is going to do it for today's uh, edition of Actus Radio. We hope you can join us back here again in two weeks. We're coming back after the new year for our first show of 2019, which is on the new CMS risk adjustment rule. Uh, I did want to just say a quick thank you for all of our listeners over 2018. It was a great year for Actus Radio. We had some great interaction comments. Um, it's a lot of fun doing the show and we're planning on an even a bigger and better 2019. So thank you again. Uh, and we'll see you back here in two weeks. Thanks again, Jeff and Katie for joining us. and. Uh, have a great rest of the day and a happy holiday, everybody.